I am recording. Okay. And farting. Oh, well. Hello and welcome to the Never Heard of It podcast. This is Craig Moorhead. And I'm Sean Harwell. And this is a podcast where we talk about the movies that we missed. And have we ever got one for you today? But before that, in case you're looking for us uh, when the podcast is not playing in your ear holes, you can find us online at www.neverheardpodcast.com. You can find us on Twitter with the handle at NeverPodcast. Uh, and then you can find us on iTunes and Stitcher. Just uh, just look for us. We're there. We are. We're absolutely everywhere. Yeah. And we've also started uh, uh, doing uh, mini episodes between each larger episode. So if you uh, didn't get last week's, or not last week's, if you didn't get episode 16.5, go check it out. Today, we're going to talk about the 1941 Fritz Lang movie, Manhunt. Uh, I had never heard of it, and I suggested it to Sean, and it turns out he had never heard of it. I'm going to read a quick synopsis, and then I'm going to ask Sean some questions. (laughs) This is coming from uh, the popular site imdib.com, sorry. Uh, British hunter Thorndike vacationing in Bavaria has Hitler in his gun sight. He is captured, beaten, left for dead, and escapes back to London where he is hounded by German agents and aided by a young woman. Uh, I mean, that's pretty much it. That's, yeah, that, that I think does so. does pretty much cover it. It does sound a little bizarre. I remember reading a synopsis early on and thinking that it was about a guy who was hunting Hitler, and that was the manhunt. So the whole thing was going to be this guy just trying to kill Hitler. So I was I was plenty surprised by what happened at the beginning. <laughs> Sean, what were your impressions going in and coming well, out? Were you surprised for the better or for the worse? Hmm. I'd go so, neutral I, well, on well, that. Hold off. I, I, well, I okay, certainly wasn't okay. disappointed watching the movie. I, I thought it was very clever, the whole opening sequence. So I have to say, I, I, w- I was pretty pleased. Yeah, you know, I was too, and I... I didn't know anything about this whatsoever. I didn't look up the description or anything of the sort. I don't even think I saw the poster, really, before I jumped right in on Netflix. And, yeah, that opening is so compelling, you know. Um, you do see the Nazi soldier kind of per, you know, per- patrolling the area, excuse me. You've got this guy, Walter Pigeon, on a ledge with a rifle. And, you know, he puts the scope to his eye and we see Hitler on a balcony. Um, that he's got a kill shot right there, and he doesn't take it. He sort of, I think he pulls the trigger, the gun's not loaded, and he sort of just kind of waves off, like, as if it's a joke, like, you know, that kind of thing. And as far as compelling (laughs) ways to start your movie, specifically in 1941, I'd say that's a pretty, pretty good one. Yeah. So I was on board with that. I'm kind of like you, where is the title fitting in exactly? Because... You know, shortly after this, this character that Walter Pigeon plays gets captured and then released, and Hunting plays a part into that. And so I kind of thought maybe we're getting into sort of like the most dangerous game. Right. And they talk about that a little bit to an extent that, you know, the, the greatest hunt of all is obviously man. It's the most intelligent animal. And yes, this character is being more or less hunted, but not like in the woods hunted and being shot at. You know, he does make it back to England and London and goes from there. Yeah. Um, 
we talked briefly about this beforehand. I think it's a, it's a pretty darn good movie here. I there was at least thirty, almost forty five minutes where I thought, Craig, you did it. You you found <laughs> a winner that was not on my radar whatsoever. And then we got to London, and it took a very significant tonal shift, which I'm sure we'll talk about. Well, I mean, that's the thing. You know, I I don't even know that I would want to pull 30 minutes out of it i would just want to change that 30 minutes a little bit uh and and we might as well get right into it so what we're talking about is we're kind of talking about tonal shifts and so in this movie you go from this guy thorndike we think he's he's going to try to assassinate hitler he he uh pulls the trigger right no bullet he kind of waves at him haha then he thinks twice he puts the bullet in the gun and he's about to shoot and yeah this nazi soldier jumps on him takes him back he's a prisoner of the Nazis for a while. And so right here, the tone of it is Thorndike seems fairly at ease with this. Right. And we should add, this is nine. I think it takes place in 1939. And forgive me if that was in your, in your synopsis. 38 or 39. It wasn't, but yeah. Yeah. So this is, uh, I wrote this down. This is, uh, England doesn't enter the war, um, until 41, right? Right. Something like that. Yeah. I, have to assume obviously there is knowledge of Hitler and what the Nazi party at least stands for at the time of this movie, whether the atrocities of, of what are known, they do allude to some of them, you know, there's decapitation is mentioned. And then, you know, this idea of, of Hitler wanting to play God, uh, there's no mention of, of Holocaust or, you know, the Uber race or, or that kind of the actual, you know, slaughter of millions of Jews does not get brought up in the movie, I don't think. No, not specifically. So I, I just, I think that's somewhat important to, you know, if you're sitting at home listening and wondering why the hell would this guy not kill Hitler? From, right. You know, if you have that shot from the very first moment, I think that plays a part of it because yeah. at this point of the movie, he's just like this very crazy dictator not necessarily the man who is literally trying to wipe p- p- part of the earth off you know right right and I, and it, and it is acknowledged at some point that at least our main character does hold views about hitler so en- enough oh, is yeah. going on that he feels already pretty sour toward hitler as people probably should <laughs> so it it's somewhat intense and and you have our main character being beaten and tortured because the Germans want him to sign this confession paper to say that the English government uh, made him, sent him to do this. And he refuses to because it's a lie. He just refuses to lie, it's a lie, it's a lie. So it, it's, it's pretty serious. It's, it's looking pretty grim for Thorndike. Okay, and, and so then, they, and then the Nazis finally decide they're going to kill him and make it look like suicide, and they push him off a cliff. Uncleverly, they push him into some soft mud off of this cliff, and... Thorndike survives, though it seems like barely, but now barely, he's, I mean, he's almost been murdered by the Nazis. He's trying to get away from them. It's a desperate race for his life. He gets on a boat where Roddy McDowell as a child is, who helps him, uh, which is, I think, what we would all hope in that same situation is that Roddy McDowell would come and help us. And around <laughs> yes. there is when it starts to become a little looser, a little funnier, a little... I, I don't know how to say it. For a guy who's been through what he's been through, he's kind of like, oh, oh, I hope I don't run into those characters again. 
like that kind of thing. And it's like, no, 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 no. Well, like there are Nazis hunting for you. You're, you're not in good shape. I have some feedback on that. And I honestly felt that way about, and this is specifically to the Thorndike character played by Walter Pynchon. Even before that, there was just something in those moments and a lot of, like, when we're saying, like, he's captured by the Nazis, he's beaten and tortured, you don't really see the beatings. Most of those scenes are him and uh, Major Clive, or Quive Smith, or Quiv, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, uh, <laughs> guy, George Saunders is the actor. Right. Uh, the German, he's a German major, a Nazi major, basically, who's, uh, yes, asking him to sign this thing. And a, a lot of it's, it's just one-on-one dialogue between the two of them. Really smart, really like I thought all that stuff was compelling. Mm-hmm. George Sanders, this actor, he speaks German with a German accent. It's totally believable. Yeah. There's no subtitles, at least where there's sub. Not, not, what I not saw when they're anyway. speaking uh, in German, no. Yeah, not when they're speaking German. You still totally get kind of the the major vibe of of what's being implied, and yeah, all of that stuff was really interesting. It was tense, but not it didn't feel like he was being threatened from the word go, you know, it kind of builds to that. But still, I'm like you. I I thought even then, he's not really responding the way that I think. Yeah. If I had been, ca- you know, A, he just got beat up on the ledge, taken in this place. Like, he clearly knows who Hitler is and like what's, at least what's going on at this point in 1939 or wherever. He knows enough to know that this is probably not good. And yet he's somewhat casual, and so I was look when I was looking at Walter Pidgeon because I don't really know that actor that mm-hmm. well. I was looking at him, his bio and stuff on IMDb. A, he's been in a million movies. He was born in eighteen ninety seven, and like you know, from silent era on, he's been in movies. Um, he is quoted as saying, and I thought this was really interesting. It takes a lot of work to appear easygoing, and I try to avoid being stuffy. <laughs> and as soon as I read that, that made absolutely the most sense sure. as far as that's exactly how I describe his, his performance here yeah. is at times it's way too easygoing and casual. Like, you know, and there are moments where he's genuinely threatened and he gives that kind of what you would expect those reactions yes. to be. But no, it, it, it's not necessarily from start to finish, but it really kicks in. Yeah. When he gets on that boat, when he yeah. leaves that boat and goes back to London um, I think to his aunt and uncles, you know, um, ultimately. But this is also sort of our introduction to um, an actress named Joan Bennett plays a character named Jerry Stokes. Yes. And uh, I'm going to let you describe her, Because <laughs> I want to be nice. Sure. And I want to be fair. And I don't think this is just because she's a woman. There's no. another female in this movie. There's only two of them, I think. Um the Lady Alice character, that uh, yes. actress, Heather Thatcher, I thought she was fantastic. Sure. Some really strong reactions. Yeah. Let's talk about Joan Bennett for just a second, so, because yeah. that's the biggest tonal shift for me, bar none. Yeah. So, so yeah. So, uh, our, our hero gets off the boat. He thinks he's safe. And so, in that way, I kind of buy him being a little more easygoing. But almost as soon as he's off the boat, he's being pursued again by these people. So he, he knows he's in trouble and 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 the, yeah and being warned by Roddy McDowell's little boy character that you know there's I don't, I don't know I had a bad feeling about that guy that was on the yeah. boat you know like there's enough to know that yeah it's, things aren't okay look out right mm-hmm. so he he's pursued by these guys through the streets of London 
he ends up running into this apartment building and running into Joan Bennett, who is playing Jerry. Now, he takes her up to her apartment so he can hide out. And that's where begins one of the toughest parts of this movie. And it brings a mm-hmm. lot of a lot of questions to the forefront. And one of them is the accents throughout the entire movie. Now, from the beginning, you have... Uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, but from the beginning, you have Thorndike, who is supposed to be from England. <laughs> for, so, supposed to be from London, right? Couldn't... Uh, in in theory only. <laughs> right, right. But I mean, it, apparently that's his home. London is his home. Couldn't sound more like a Midwesterner as far as I'm concerned. Uh, Walter Pigeon does not even attempt an English Doesn't action. attempt one. Um, and that's fine. Not even close. No. He's actually Canadian. Oh, okay. Uh, as he was born there and then became a citizen in the U.S. much later. Yeah. Uh, he doesn't specifically sound Canadian to no. me. I think Midwestern is a good label for those yeah. wanting to imagine this at home. Absolutely not, not even 2% British. <laughs> right. Not even 2%. No. I'm not even going to give him that. Does, doesn't even care. And, and that's fine. I, I think that's fine. If an English accent was too much for him and it was going to okay. be distracting, great. Leave it, leave it on the side of the road. Uh, I'll, yeah, I'll, the German accents were nailed exactly, um, and I think well, that was that was important. Okay, I, I'll I'll disagree with you there. I well, the Germans when they were speaking German, yes, yes, that <laughs> the was German characters when they that was perfectly German. fine. And I'm not sure yes. if what I wanted was like like a campy Hogan's Heroes German accent. Maybe that was my problem, yeah. but like uh, Quive, uh, that that was a, a, an English accent. Again, fine. Yeah, that's fine. I'm I I buy that. It's fine. But Joan Bennett. But Joan Bennett is, <laughs> and I, I you know, and I didn't read up on her. And I'll ask you if, if you did. Is she an American she, actress? She is from New Jersey, Craig. Okay, so Joan Bennett. I'm, I'm going to take your credit for that for that information. So mm. Joan Bennett is an actress from New Jersey, Sean. I don't know if you know this. And uh, I did. And they have her affecting this deep and chaotic cockney accent and it's and it's rough because there's nothing about her that suggests to me that she's a poor actress in fact she has a lot of really good moments but her accent just jumps right out in front of her and and it's it 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 just it does kind of drive you crazy it just it just ruins moments that that are already a little tipsy because the other part of this is this begins sort of this odd romantic comedy section (laughs) of the movie so our man Thorndike is still being pursued by the Nazis. Uh, his uh, who is it? Is it his brother or his uncle? I think it is his brother. Actually, okay. now that you say that. Um, so, but but he does appear a bit older, right? Um, but this is uh, Lord Gerald and Lady Alice Risborough. Yeah, and so <laughs> and and basically what what he he goes to them and basically what they're telling him is, you know, we're not going to be able to help you. Essentially, like like if things go wrong here, uh, you're going to be in trouble. And and Thorndike decides he's really going to go on the run. But and well, prior to that, again, it just felt like, yeah, here's somebody else telling you, maybe you should take this more seriously yeah. <laughs> than you are. Because yeah, he does feel like I'm back home. Yeah, there's a certain amount of safety provided to me. 
I just need to clear up this whole mess, you know? Yeah. There, there's a bit of that, but then it's also that sort of trope of, well, now you've involved this girl mm-hmm. um, who had nothing to do with you, and you sort of, you know, just literally walked into their lives, and you kind of keep having to invent ways to bring her along. Right. Where in real life, A, that woman might call the cops. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Or B, you would say thank you and go your separate ways. Um, yeah. And that's always, always hard to pull off in fiction, I think, you know? I think you're right. And I think, you know, it's it's generally Jerry who is clinging to him and not wanting him to go for some reason. She is yeah. 100% in love with this man who's being pursued by the Nazis and doesn't want to go anywhere without him. And that's fine. I, I guess here's the thing that I really want to get to here is... There's no way that Fritz Lang, he, he, he must know about these shifts in the story. You know, I mean, this is, this is a conscious choice that, that we're going to have this stuff where you're pursued, it's a thriller, and then you end up with this girl and you're going to have these moments where, you know, where, where, you're, where she goes and gets you fish and chips and it's, it's this cute moment where she's feeding you fish and chips and you're laughing about jokes and stuff. And meanwhile, the Nazis are hunting you. I was, but also, I think some of this is of the era. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I kept thinking of Hitchcock while watching this. You know, something like, uh, wait, North by Northwest, or, or you know, one of these just like you got the wrong guy kind of movies. Right. You know, um, and I think he definitely, you know, Hitchcock and in, in the ones that he did really, really well, he he stuck to that tone. Mm-hmm. But I do think you know, it's it's just. You know, some of these studio movies, like, you got to have a girl in there. And it's got to to be a romantic thing. And so... Sure. They just met 10 minutes ago. But clearly, yeah, like you say, like, she's sort of into him. And it's... It was almost... It was easy to look at in 2016 and even be just disappointed by the whole thing. Because it felt like, okay, she's from a lower class. Like, they're doing everything they can to basically just say... You know, she's uneducated, mm-hmm. um, got nothing going on, should be absolutely grateful for the fact that this guy is, is offering to pay her back after she loaned him a bit of money to get home. Um, and then they even play the gag that um, his, I guess, maybe sister-in-law, Thorndike's sister-in-law, this Lady Alice character, when they're you know describing you know, Thorndike is asking for a bit of money from his brother to pay her back. It's sort of implied that Lady Alice might be thinking, "Well, what the hell just happened? Was she a prostitute? Like it just, or an yeah. escort of some kind?" Like, which I liked that moment. Mm-hmm. I thought, you know, that was kind of funny, and I loved her reactions to that. But yeah, like, and then knowing that, it's like, it, it, how does this tone shift gel with the rest of the movie? How do how do these performances gel with that? That accent, all that stuff, yeah. and. uh that's what it is. It hangs over the picture, I think, unfortunately, right when you sort of want to just be really, really pulled in and invested. Um, I'll admit my mind did wander a little bit during the, the middle of this. Yeah. But then I think it came back around. I don't know. Did it? Did you sort of feel that way about that third act? Um, oh, for sure. And, and I thought... I don't want to skip over anything, but if we can jump to that, I, I thought, man, it, it made a really good recovery. We definitely can. And, and actually, I, I was going to say... Um, you know, a part of it 
for me as I was watching that stuff and and just how you know parts of the movie feel like there are no Nazis at all and we're in a completely different movie um and I was wondering if it was Lang's it was sort of Lang's way of portraying this guy I was thinking you know maybe this is just portraying him as you know this is one of these aloof rich types who everything always works yeah. out for them they're never really in a lot of danger because they have rich friends. So even if they get in a tough, tough spot, they'll be fine. I think like that could explain a lot of it, um, but not all of it. I mean, it de- definitely some of it just kind of doesn't work. But um, I was thinking maybe that was kind of a part of it because you have uh, Lang was uh, very, very anti-Nazi. And this is a very anti-Nazi movie. Uh, I mean, it's it's hard not to be anti-Nazi, but in 1941, where all the bad stuff hadn't quite happened yet. Yeah, and like I read that he had actually been asked by Joseph Goebbels to to head up the German Cinema uh, Institute during yeah when the Nazis became party, and that obviously went to uh, Leni Riefenstahl later. He turned it down. He was a Catholic, and and yeah, got out of there thankfully. Um, and I think this is a, the first Manhunt is the first of four sort of anti-Nazi movies that he made. Um, the the rich aloof man, I mean, that is kind of interesting. Um, he's he's definitely naive um, as a character, and intentionally so, which I do think is really really interesting. And maybe it's part of that too is the message that you because. Look, let's not forget this movie came out before Hitler died and before the war was over. So this is also sort of a warning, not unlike, you know, Chaplin's a great dictator. Take these people seriously. Yeah. Um, you know, and there, I, I think there's some of that, you know, the rest, I mean, look, America was still sleeping at the same, you know, at this time as well. Um, you know, as far as entering the war. Um, but gosh, I don't know. I wish like it's, it, it still made me want him to then really have his core fundamentally shaken. Yeah. Well, by just how naive he was. Then. But I think you kind of do get that moment. You do. Ultimately, I think yeah, so. Yeah, and, and and I think that's that's kind of what the third act is and and as you were saying before, like you kind of perked up at the third act. And the mm-hmm. third act is Quive catches up with Thorndike and they have their showdown and that showdown is very very tense takes place in a cave i mean come on like uh you gotta see that if nothing else i think like that whole thing was just fantastic to me that's where i feel like okay that's where this this is what this director is sinking his teeth into and it's like maybe that's maybe that's the movie he really really wanted to make and some of this other stuff had to come along with it yeah you know i don't know maybe i'm just making a guess an assumption that in the studio system, some of that's going to happen. Yeah. Um, I, I agree. But, uh, I agree. And, and, and I mean, even the, even the note that he leaves you on this movie had to basically go through the Hayes code or the Hayes office. And, and, and it was classified originally or, or at least uh, called a, a hate film. Like they felt like Germans were being portrayed negatively that, that, all of them were just evil and just wanted to kill people. Isn't that something? And, uh, <laughs> and, and I mean, looking back on it, I mean, there weren't any just normal. I don't think there were there were any normal German characters. They were they were all Nazis. 
But you know what? I man, I'm totally fine with that. Like I don't, you know, it's like enough of. Yeah, uh, two characters do not make an entire population. Like they're yeah, not well, exactly. representing anything beyond who they are in this case. Our main character um, stalks Hitler at his compound, is captured by Nazis. Like who else is he going to encounter? Exactly. Like why would he yeah. encounter the the nice German uh, chambermaid who comes in? Like no, that that would have been a little. Well, it, it would have been too much fat on this thing. Like, this is a pretty lean movie. There's not a lot of characters mm-hmm. or not a lot of, I don't know. It's not a ton of scenes. It's not like an epic, epic movie. It's right. really between just these characters. And I mean, at the end, yeah, it's between Thorndike and, and Quive. So, yeah, kind of how it started. Exactly. Um, which I think is kind of cool. Let's talk about, I mean, I, I kind of feel like we should talk about that, just that last couple scenes. Sure. Um, because I, I do think... It's not a huge spoiler or anything like that, and it, it informs this movie a lot. It informs what you're talking about with the Hayes Code. Um, basically, Thorndike gets out alive, and he suffers some, you know, mental setbacks. He spends some time in a hospital, um, but then you, you're, you're left with the sort of fleeting moments of the of the movie are him going back to, I guess, the the British Royal Air Force, mm-hmm. joining up going out on a mission and jumping the hell out of the plane before he's supposed to. Right. <laughs> his parachute opens, he's got his rifle, and you're left knowing that this man, who's one of the most skilled hunters in the world, big game hunters in the world, which is what's set up in the beginning, um, is going into Germany by himself, obviously with the intent to go do what he should have done and kill Hitler. Right. Um and I think that was probably where that specific rub came from the Hayes Code office because you're rooting for a person, a fictional character, to go assassinate a real person. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of, uh, oh gosh, I don't know. I mean, I'm trying to think of, there was some dang movie recently that sort of dealt with some of this stuff, I think. Um, well, I mean, there was the interview. Yes. That's it. That's absolutely it. Yeah, I don't know. I'd, I'd be curious to know, and I'm sure, I, well, I assume somebody's made a movie or something that talks about assassinating some American figure in the past 30 years. Don't know how we would react to that. But yeah, I, I don't know. Like, it, I, I can almost understand where the Hayes Code is, is coming from in this instance. I, I guess that is the thing. I mean, the, the interview is first and foremost, a comedy. So it, it, it can kind of sidestep a lot of that. Uh, totally, you know, yeah. In the same way that I think Dr. Strangelove does with, I mean, the guy's jumping out on a bomb at the end of the movie. Like, right. You know, it's a nuclear Whereas this movie warfare. Is, is clearly advocating someone should go and hunt down Hitler and kill him. I mean, mm-hmm. there's there's no question about that at the end. No it's, doubt. It's not yep. a satire of any kind. So yeah, I mean, I mean, what would it be? I mean, if, if someone, you know, if, if we made a, dramatic movie about someone who is dropped behind enemy lines in North Korea or just in North Korea yeah, or Syria to hunt I him mean, down. I mean, yeah. and that's the whole point of it. I don't know. It, it, it's hard. It's hard to say that someone definitely compares to Hitler. I mean, just last week on my Facebook feed, everybody and their grandmother was comparing Donald Trump to Hitler. So, <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean, I certainly don't want to advocate to assassinate 
Donald Trump. Yeah, and you don't want to advocate for censorship. I mean, if a movie is a work of fiction, that should kind of be the end of the discussion. Well, I mean, and that's the thing. I mean, when you're talking about Hitler, yeah, generally it's just like, well, that's acceptable. You, you can accept yeah, that really we're is. talking about going and killing a person. Uh, yeah. which, which really just brought me to the question of, okay, so if he hunted Hitler, shot him right between the eyes, put him down, how d- does the war end? Or does someone just kind of step into his place? I mean, he's Hitler. You can't really just and 41, replace yeah, him. Or 39. But it seems like if you've already got this army, you're already marching into places, you've already bombed a bunch of places. You know, like, is, yeah. is just taking down Hitler going to stop all this? I mean, certainly it'd be good. It would certainly be a way to weaken it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, I got into that and then realized I, uh, you know, I didn't have any knowledge whatsoever of military history, <laughs> and uh, so I, I promptly <laughs> stopped thinking about it. Good. But um, that's what we always do. Yeah, but it is. It's it's a really interesting movie. It was uh, handled very well, uh, and I'm sure if I watched it again, which I very well may, I'd uh, get even more out of it. Uh, let's talk about. Uh, I just wanted to highlight like a few little favorite. Yeah, let's things. talk about moments. So so cool. There's so much awesome, just juicy film nerd stuff going on in this movie. Like even like the opening, like even just in the the forest. Like I don't know if you remember those opening couple shots. Like you got this great dolly. There's a really cool dissolved, like a extreme close up on the footprints of I guess Thorndike. But the way the light is coming through the forest and the trees, and I mean I'm sure all that is a set, right? Yeah, I think so. Like, it's weird, but the first thing I thought of was E.T. Like, uh-huh. you know, E.T. in the forest at night and the light, like the like you, way you see the beams of light that they film those, like that's, that's, this is where that's coming from. Like, you can see the direct influence of all that stuff. And like, I, I'm sure it's bleeding over a little bit from like the work that he did in film noir. But um, when they get to London, as much as I kind of, you know, lost a, li- a bit of interest, mm-hmm. It looks awesome, dude. Like the the London fog is thick. You got the street lamps. It looks like where Jack the Ripper would be killing somebody. Mm-hmm. Like it fits it fits the mood of the intensity even when Walter Pigeon is being easygoing as he said <laughs> in his performance and like there was a shot where Thorndike um is being dragged by the two Nazi guards kind of in that opening bit. And all they just the camera just focuses on the little tracks left by his shoes in the carpet. You know? Yeah, and and like th- that that same moment, uh, which is one of my favorite scenes, in is after they drag him in, they put him in a chair, and you only see him, you only see his shadow on the floor. Like he's, yeah, he, all his dialogue is is you never see his face on any of it. You just see the ma- the German major, you know, um, super duper cool. But like that stuff with the the feet on the carpet, like. Uh, do you remember that scene in, in No Country for Old yeah, Men? Yeah, I was thinking where, about that. Uh, yeah, Javier Bardem like strangles the guy, and like you see his shoes make the scuff marks on the floor. Like that's, I mean, this guy was doing that stuff in 1941. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, really, really. Cool. And I think the reason it was shot that way was at least partially because of the Hayes Code, because they didn't want to show any actual torture or beatings. So much better, and, man. and, and it, mean, exactly. And I was like, "Yeah, it's such a." Yeah, I mean, I mean, man, the scene, yeah, the scene where, like, Quive is trying to convince him to sign this paper so things don't get worse, and all you can see is his his head hung down, like the shadow of his head hung down. Man, it's good stuff. I, if you ever are interested in looking at, well, like, you, know, I need to watch a movie that has good insert shots. Like this, watch this damn movie. 
Yeah. Um, everything, like there's so many just like tight close-ups on objects that tell you exactly the, like what you need to know, like the little setting on the rifle to determine the yardage um, for the scope. Like uh, like those footprints and all oh, that stuff, man. It's, it's so good. In the cave, he's got this uh, basically an air hole so that when Thorndike is in the cave, he can get air into the cave and he's looking out at Quive through the air hole and it kind of took me back to him looking through the scope uh mm-hmm. just yeah, some of that point. kind of stuff that that matched up and and uh i don't know it, it was it was definitely it was very uh man yeah except for those accents and and some of the tone <laughs> it was just it was very um sure-footed and on that note sean let's talk about how to uh remake this reboot it or sequelize I think this is one of the rare ones where it's a damn good movie that could actually be improved by a remake. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, yes, that's what I, I would vote for that. Would you keep it in the same time period or would you try and update it? I would keep it in the same time period. I think okay. so. Um, I think it would be interesting. The difficulty I think now is like post Valkyrie, um, you would sort of crave some sort of true story connection to mm-hmm. it, you know? Like, you kind of want that tidbit of information that you could go look up or based on a novel or something like right. that. I don't quite know what the alternative would be unless you're doing uh, some sort of North Korea or fictional, you know, serious story or something like that. Um, but, I, I mean, it's just like we are talking about. Hitler is going to be ripe for, for stories about killing yeah. him. And make the ultimate villain until the end of time, I think. Well, and especially and let, let's this hope, one has such yeah. a good angle on it, too. For where sure. Where it's not just a bunch of serious men standing around, how do we get rid of Hitler? It's like, this guy is just mm-hmm. doing it for funsies. I mean, that's a great opening. Yeah. Um, thoughts on on actors? Uh, that's a good question. Do you have any? Yeah, I do, actually. Um, and it's weird because like everybody I thought of was already in... <laughs> glorious bastards i mean i feel like you know the the modern counterpoint to major uh Quive smith would be the german major would be christoph waltz sure you know instantaneously and yet i don't think you can do that because of inglorious bastards um that said i think a really cool thorndike would be somebody like benedict cumberbatch or michael fassbender who was in <laughs> glorious bastards um i think either of those dudes it would be awesome. Um, and there's probably a lot other. I did think of Jack O'Connell, who we talked about um, from Startup. He's a little young yeah. um, to do a, an exact translation. Um, but uh, Well, I think contractually, good, we'd have to put Oscar Isaac in it because he has to be in everything, doesn't he? <laughs> and Robert De Niro. Yeah, okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think you're right. Um, you know, I, I think, look, we should learn from this movie and get somebody who can genuinely do a british accent uh i don't care if it's irish yeah, no. scottish yeah absolutely just in the get me to great britain in the uk um and that we'll call it close enough uh so yeah my pick would be fassbender or cumberbatch um for that and then i think uh for the german guy uh i think daniel Bruhl is a really interesting actor and um 
you know, Inglorious Bastards, I don't think he had any scenes with Michael Fassbender, so maybe you could get away with right. that. Um, but uh, beyond that, yeah, I don't know. I, I I feel like I would want, again, someone who's at least European, if not specifically German. That's a good point. Yeah, and without doing Christoph Waltz, <laughs> I'm kind of at a loss. You know? But then, but then, who would be the who would be the uh, who would be uh, Jerry? I'm gonna go with. Uh, my answer for every European woman, and that is Marion Cotillard. <laughs> I don't know if she's French, but I, I love that her. That was so easy. Much. She's so good. That one was man. pretty easy. Yeah. Hey, Craig, I got two more last two things on Manhunt, and it's really just about the people involved that I thought was kind of cool. Uh, Walter Pigeon, A was the president of SAG, the Screen Actors Guild, from 52 to 57. And that was right at the height of the whole Red Scare, the communist, the blacklist thing or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess he blew the whistle on this film, Salt of the Earth, uh, that was being made by a producer who was blacklisted. And, um, man, that's kind of interesting. Oh, yeah, right? for sure. So I kind of like I didn't get a good sense of what the overall impression of Pigeon is after that or because of that or if that really sort of you know, had any kind of impact on what the rest of the industry thought of him after that. I don't know. It's kind of cool. Um, Also, here's, here's a good question for you. Walter Pigeon is one of only two Canadians to be nominated for best actor. Can you name the other one? And I'll give you a hint. Mm -hmm. Um, He was nominated uh, in 2007. 2007. Mm -hmm. A Canadian nominated for best actor. In yeah. 2007. Only other Canadians. Isn't that crazy? Only two Canadians nominated for Best Actor. Neither of which won, by the way. <laughs> Sorry, Canada. Yeah. yeah. You're out of luck. I would not have got this. There's no way on earth. But he is a very, very, very prominent, popular actor right now. Well, this Young. may surprise you, but I don't remember who any of the nominees were for the 2007 <laughs> Best Actor Oscar. I had a feeling you might not. It's Ryan Gosling. Oh, wow. From London, Ontario, was nominated for Half Nelson. Why uh, are we so movie. harsh on our, our Canadian I don't know. Folks. I mean, I feel like Eugene Livy deserves an Oscar for something, right? He's Canadian. Man. Yeah, no um, kidding. Oscar's so American, you know what I mean? And then I thought you would like this. Joan Bennett, who we've kind of been picking on a little bit because of that accent. She was in a million things. She was in the Dark Shadows TV show. Her oh, yeah. last Her last movie, Craig? Mm-hmm. Suspiria. Really? Yeah. Who did she play in Suspiria? Um, she played a woman. Okay, I figured. Named <laughs> Mrs. Madame Blanc. Wow, how do I not know that? I got to watch that again. Yeah, that's Hey, where cool, where is our buddy's uh, Suspiria remake anyway? I don't know. I don't, mm. I don't think it's happening. It's been so long. All right. Well, people, <coughs> if anyone out there wants to see a Suspiria remake, <laughs> make your voices heard. Because there's one just sort of gestating out there. And it, it, it should be and could be done. Should be and could be. Okay, should that's be, all be. I have. All right. Well, that's great. Uh, mm-hmm. Thank you very much for the trivia, like Sean. Trivia. You've made all our um, days a little brighter. I try. Yeah. Uh, Well, let's talk about what's going to be on the next episode.
Okay, Craig, I got one movie for you. Um, mm-hmm. And if you've heard of it, man, I'm going to be mad. <laughs> but not terribly surprised, okay? Okay, yeah. Craig. Yes. How would you like to swim in a movie mm-hmm. called The Black Sea? Definitely, yes. You have? Yes. Dude, come on. Well, well let me How ask this. How many submarine movies get made these days? This is a submarine <laughs> movie from 2014 with Jude Law and Ben Jude Nelson. Law, yeah. i got to watch this movie. Um, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. But if, you know, if, if we haven't heard of every movie that we bring up, then, then it kind of loses its uh, flavor, maybe. Uh, I'll try not to have heard of the next thing you say. Try not to hear of anything. Okay. Okay. Um, all right, Craig. You don't want to swim in the Black Sea. You don't want to ride a submarine. It's fine. How about we take a little road trip to a movie called Phoenix? Have you heard of Phoenix? I have not heard. I've heard of the place. Okay. This I've, is not just a place. This is a movie. Okay. I've heard of the bird. Okay. It's not about the bird. Sort of. Th- but I've not heard of the movie Phoenix. No. 2014. It's a recent movie. Mm-hmm. It stars some people who I believe are German. German so, people. Some of my favorite only, people in the world. Well, are look what I'm saying. Like this is actually going to help us cast our remake. Yeah. Of Manhunt. So I think we got to watch it. Okay. Okay. So yeah, everybody, go get on Netflix with your nets and your flixes, and mm. let's watch Phoenix. Come back and talk about it. We'll fill out our cast for Manhunt. We'll speak fluent German. That's a good and idea. I have a feeling we're going to completely change our outlook on Hitler. I love it. Did I say that out loud? Yeah. Okay. It's okay. Let's it strike bold. that from the record. Okay. I think we're going to have our feelings about Hitler affirmed. I don't think this has anything to do with Hitler. I don't really know, to be quite honest. I just know it's supposed to be good. I'm excited to watch it. Um, this is what this podcast is about. You know, We know little about these movies. We know enough that we want to see them. That's what Phoenix is for me. Um, and no matter, no matter how little we know, it does, <laughs> never stops us from talking about it. It sure doesn't. That's what's and, so inspiring, I think, about us. Yeah, so why don't you come talk about it with us um, and bring all the little knowledge that you have. Um, we're on Facebook, we're on YouTube, we're on Twitter. And as always, thank you so much for listening. We appreciate it. Thank you for it. listening, absolutely. And uh, I guess until then... Keep an eye on the clock and a foot mm-hmm. on the dock. That, oh, yes, that was good. <laughs> I like that one.